0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and a smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show Ladies lineup for the day, as usual. We have some very pertinent and timely information here. Um, you know, we're sitting down with folks that are retiring all the time now. It seems like the baby boomer generation mm-hmm. is hitting that point, and, um... So I have the five retirement tax traps to avoid that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, you know, these are interesting because you think a time of retirement is a point to where taxes will be getting lower, but there are a few things here that can jump up and bite you. So you want to pay attention to these. There's just some significant taxes that can bite you in retirement if you're not yeah. careful.
1: If you don't follow the rules, they will uh, come back and get you. Definitely. And we're going to follow that up with an article talking about bad spending habits that, that can be corrected and. In- for some reason, you're talking about all the bad habits during this segment, and I'm talking that. about all the good habits.
0: You always give me the
1: dirty jobs. <clears throat> well, I've noticed that's, that. That's just kind of the way we roll sometimes. Yeah, so I
0: noticed that. Well, you but, know, but I'm, you're
1: good at spinning things. You're, you can make it positive. You know, it's um, we're trying to help people here. All right, so I'll
0: try to put some lipstick on that pig. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's my job. I get it. I get it. You can do it. You're good at that. Okay, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro and have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to our show today. We're up every week on Fridays uh, with a new show, and uh, you can listen to us right off the website
1: yeah go to our website moneymd.net and we have um have a link to the podcast on the right hand side and it's an easy way to listen to us you can listen to us from your computer obviously you can download it to your uh, ipod or ipad device and uh, take us on your vacations wherever that may be
0: wherever you go that's right and we would love to hear your emails um email us your questions you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net well, John, um, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, this is interesting. The uh, NASDAQ Composite Index, which is kind of viewed as a technology-type um, index, um, it closed above the 6,000-point uh, level for the first time in its 46-year history back in April. So wow. hit an all-time record high. But here's the interesting fact is it peaked at about 5,000 back in March of two thousand. And uh, the index fell then 71% to a little bit over 1,100 in the next 31 months. So it took it almost 15 years to to get get back back to its peak.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that 17-year period, it's only gained like 25% in 17 Mm -hmm. years. If you look back to where it was in 2000 uh, when it had closed above 5,000 for the first time. So to be above 6,000 now is barely over one percent a year it's not really a great return well
1: and that's not real good diversification either it's it's a segment of the market um and it is um it's sexy because it's you know the amazons and the googles and so forth and it's technology and it can go way up but it can also go way down so you got to be that's where we talk about making sure you're diversified because you can get in one sector like u.s large stocks or technology and you can go for decades and there'd be minimal return
0: and just as an aside to date myself i remember in 2000 when the nasdaq was so popular everybody wanted to invest in it the qqq was the symbol for the uh for the etf for the nasdaq index and man everybody just thought they could do no wrong it was the new economy back then mm-hmm. and you know it was predictable i mean the average pe ratio was over 200 for the nasdaq the stocks in the nasdaq index And, of course, it crashed and burned and then it's taken 17 years to get back to, you know, a a pretty respectable level there. But I guess, you know, I wouldn't read that as being now it's way overpriced again because, I mean, it's been a long, long road getting there. But diversification is the key. You're exactly right. Interesting fact of the week. All right. And that leads us up to our first topic here, and that is the five retirement tax traps to avoid. Yeah, this comes out of an article from uh, Emily Brandon out of the U.S. News & World Report. And, John, you know, you would think that retirees would get tax breaks and not extra taxes. And in some instances, I mean, that is true. They do get some tax breaks. But there are other areas where you can get harder, hit harder in retirement than you do during your normal working years. So you have to be careful. I mean, once you retire, you'll probably have less money coming in than you did while you were working. So you'll want to be especially careful that you don't get caught with some unnecessary expenses like these taxes we're going to talk about. And some people, I mean, they even drop in the lower tax brackets when they retire, and that's a great thing. Um, You know, fortunately, there are a variety of tax breaks specifically for people that are older, particularly at the state level. Mm -hmm. However, several new types of taxes might come up in retirement. So here are some of the taxes that retirees might incur that you need to be very careful of.
1: Yeah, and the first one here on the list is called a required minimum distribution. And, you know, a lot of people are familiar with this. It, once you hit the age of 70 and a half, you're required to take an annual distribution from your traditional 401k or your traditional IRA. Um, so income tax is going to be due on each one of those withdrawals. So as an example, a retiree in the 25% tax bracket who takes out 5000 from an IRA, they're going to owe $1250 from that distribution and you know a lot of people will start taking money out of their retirement account in big chunks to get this done but that's a mistake because that can throw you into a higher tax bracket so you got to be really careful with the rmd there's some there are some tax traps hidden in there
0: yeah definitely there are a couple ways to delay or avoid paying tax on your required minimum distributions under some very specific circumstances For one, I mean, savers who work in retirement for a company they didn't own, they may be able to delay their RMDs, their required minimum distributions, from the 401k associated with their current job until they actually retire if their plan allows it. So they can delay that and avoid taking the RMD and the associated taxes for a while while they're working. However, distributions from 401k plans from previous employers and traditional IRAs are required regardless of whether you're still working. Also, people over age 70 and a half or older are directly, they can directly transfer up to $100,000 from an IRA to a qualified charity. And that can satisfy their distribution requirement without paying any tax on the transaction. They can actually send it directly from the IRA to the charity, and it counts toward the RMD, and it won't be considered in their taxable income. So it won't show up at all on your on your tax return. Um, that also uh, may help inside uh, to keep you inside a lower tax bracket and pay overall lower taxes in general. And it also could help avoid the effects of... Um, You know, paying tax on your social security or Mm -hmm. having your itemized deductions or exemptions limited. So, there are several ways giving a a RMD or a contribution, a distribution directly from your IRA to a charity can benefit you. A lot of of our clients are doing that now. Exactly. Yeah. So, distributions from Roth 401ks are also required after age 70 and a half if you're working, unless you're still working for a company that you don't own. Um, to avoid that, you can simply roll the Roth 401k account balances out into a Roth IRA where RMDs are not required. Mm-hmm. So the good news as long as you as long as your Roth account is more than five years old and you're overage 59 and a half, you don't have to pay income tax on those distributions, and that's one reason why we love Roth IRAs. Yeah,
1: that's right, and we do talk about Roth a lot on this uh, program, Steve. And, and another reason is, is there is no distribution requirement uh, for the original account owner. Um, you know, you can put it into a Roth IRA and um, it, it'll grow tax-free for the rest of your life. You don't have to withdraw any money. Um, you know, as you get older, it's nice to have this Roth because it's not subject to the RMD. You do not have to pull money out ever. That's the current rules. And that may change. I've read right. some regulations or some discussions about that changing in the future. But today, that's the way it, it, it runs. And so when you need to take money out of, of your um, you know, Roth IRA for that dream vacation, it's great to have that pot of money out there because there are no taxes. It will not put you into a higher tax bracket.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's a nice benefit. <clears throat> yeah, and then the next tax trap to look out for is the two required minimum distributions in the same year, you know, because taxpayers who turn age 70 and a half during this year, they have to take their first required minimum distribution by April 1st next year, 2018. Um, however, all the subsequent distributions must be made by December 31st of the, that calendar year. So the second RMD is going to be due by the end of next year. So if you delay that first one and you don't take that distribution, until next year, then you're end up taking two distributions in the first and same calendar year, which can result in an abnormally high tax bill during that first year um, in some cases, taking the distribution during separate calendar years can can help keep your tax bill manageable, but there are also some cases when it can it can kind of double you up and and make it um make it to a higher tax yeah, bracket. Right. Yeah. So if you turn uh, seven and a half, one of the cases where it would be advantageous to take both of them in the same year would be if you retired and your income's a lot lower next year, then delaying that first one till the following year would make some sense. But otherwise, you probably should spread it out and go ahead and take that first RMD when you turn age seven and a half and not wait till April 1st of the following year. So that was a tax trap you want to avoid. The next one here on the list is for getting a 401k or an IRA withdrawal, Um, you know, an RMD, a required minimum distribution, there's a stiff 50% penalty if you fail to take your annual distributions from your traditional retirement accounts after age seven and a half. You certainly don't want to flirt with that penalty. I mean, that tax penalty is applied in addition to ordinary income that you will owe whenever you take distributions. So a retiree in the 25% tax bracket who skips the $5,000, a $5,000 uh, withdrawal, will owe $3,750 in taxes and penalties. So that would be very, Ouch. very penalty. Mm. Uh, painful. Painful. Ouch, a painful no pin. doubt. That's right. So if you have four different IRA accounts, you can do a calculation based on the total value of all those accounts. You can take one distribution to satisfy all of those, but you can't do that with a 401k. You have to take a separate distribution for each of your 401ks. Um, so you want to pay special attention to these RMD rules once you hit age
1: seven and a half. Yeah, and we do that for our clients. Absolutely. Right, I mean, that's a service that we provide. There, There are some calculations that have to go into uh, into, um, fruition to make that happen. And you got to make sure, you know, the IRAs that are out there as well. So they can be tricky. So that's, that's a good one. Another one here on the list, you can no longer claim a tax break for IRA contributions. You know, many working people are able to reduce their taxable income by contributing to an IRA. But once you turn seven you're no longer eligible to claim a tax deduction for saving in a traditional IRA, even if you still work. Right. So that's right. A little bit different uh, rules here. However, you know, people who are still working in their 70s, they can put money in a 401k plan and uh, defer paying income taxes on that. But you can't put it into um, into an IRA and deduct it. But you can't put it into a Roth, regardless of your age. So that's right. These are tricky rules. I mean, they really are. A lot of yeah, ins and outs to them. Yeah, it's complicated.
0: <clears throat> it's complicated. So you want to pay attention, you know, even in retirement to these tax rules and you know the last one here on the list john that we've alluded to is taxes on social security yeah i mean you might have to pay taxes on part of your social security income or the majority of it if you're like most people if some of your adjusted gross income your non-taxable interest and in half of your social security benefits exceeds twenty-five thousand for individuals and thirty-two thousand for married couples you know that's not a not a high big number no um, then half your social security benefits will be taxable if those income sources add up to more than thirty five four thousand thirty four thousand for individuals and forty four thousand for married couples, then as much as eighty five percent of your social security payments will be subject to income tax. Um, you know income received from a part-time job dividends, interest, taxable pension payments and withdrawals from IRAs and 401ks could all lead to your Social Security benefit becoming taxable. So when you make those distributions from your IRAs, you have to think, is this also causing more of my, my Social Security to become taxable? Mm-hmm. So don't just calculate the tax on your IRA distribution. Calculate the extra tax on your Social Security to figure out what your extra tax bill is going to be. That's a trap people fall into not taking into account the effects of those distributions or working part-time or the extra income they might have, you know, in retirement. Um, So you have to be careful about that. Um, Roth Roth and HSA distributions in retirement are not taxable and probably won't contribute to your Social Security benefits being taxed, so that's a nice break. It's very rare that people don't have to pay tax on Social Security, though, since these thresholds are not indexed for inflation, And they've been at these low levels for decades Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, that's a small amount. It's a very small amount. So if you have any significant income other than Social Security, you're going to have to pay Social Security tax on some of your Social Security. So be aware of that. So the moral of the story here, though, on these tax traps is that even though you might be retired, you still need to be diligent to avoid unnecessary taxes in retirement since there are some tax traps like this that can nip at you in retirement. Most retirees don't have a lot of tax deductions or credits due to dependents, living at home, or college expenses. So retirement is no time to let your guard down for taxes. That's good. That's the moral of the story here. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, so this question has to do with um, um, spam. I guess that's the best word for it. You know, we all get emails from... It looks legit and um, sometimes you get letters and and um, phone calls so we actually have my son Matthew Travis in the uh, studio with us and um, Matthew's a rising senior in finance and interning with us this summer so um, he got an interesting um, voicemail I guess what a couple months ago yeah it was a couple months ago how did it make you feel when you got it so I was just uh, walking out of an accounting class and I looked on my phone and had a message from an unknown um, caller in Stamford, Connecticut, and when I listened to it, um, it basically said that I was—I had a warrant, a warrant out for my arrest, as well as uh, my assets were about to be frozen. Uh, and as a college student, not having many assets, that, <laughs> that was not a big concern to Sounded me. Sounded suspicious, probably. <laughs> That's right, but uh, it was nonetheless a concerning message. Yeah, so we're going to try to play that. Uh, hopefully, you can hear this. This is pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: ...is to notify you that IRS has issued an arrest warrant against you. Right now you and your physical property both are being monitored and it's very important that I do hear back from
1: you as soon as possible before we proceed further in any legal manner. My direct call back number is two zero. Yeah, so is that what the IRS really sounds like?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like a computer generated voice. You know, it's probably somebody in Nigeria that's having a
1: translator. (laughs) I guess when I heard that, you know, the warrant for your arrest, I mean, that definitely gets your attention.
0: It does, it does. And it can scare people, you know. I mean, a lot of our, you know, elderly clients too, and folks we know, I mean, out there are they, they, they. They tend to react to these things, you Mm -hmm. know, don't think logically about it. And uh, it's easy to get to kind of fall in that trap and think, oh, my goodness, I need to call this number. And, of course, if you called that number, you'd probably get a live person on the other phone who's very good Mm -hmm. at coaxing you into giving up some information, you know, and saying, oh, yeah, well, you need to give us your bank account number, and we'll take care of this right now and transfer, you know, and they'll probably say some low number, you know, maybe it's only only $100 you owe, and Mm -hmm. then, of course, they clean your account out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a very concerning message. Yeah, Yeah. it really
1: is. I. I would say, you know, make make sure you run that anytime you um, are dealing with something that you're not familiar with, run it by someone else. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought my original thought was to call back and just to get some more information. But then, um, you know, my parents and I have talked about this in the past and, uh, you know, looking more into it, we did realize that it was not, um, not real by any means. Yeah, not legit. So I- interesting. They... Gosh, they just, there's so many ways. If they could only put those devious intentions to the good of the world, we'd be so much better. Exactly. (laughs) Trying to steal stuff.
0: Yeah. And if you called back, you'd validate your phone number then. And so Mm -hmm. then they would probably be be on you. So that was a good call, not not making the call. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Matthew. Yeah, that was great.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right, thanks. Okay, and that leads up here to our last topic and that is bad spending habits that can be corrected. I mean, we all have a few of these, John, and yeah, these are uh these are kind of painful when I look at a few of these cuz mm, they, they do kind of strike home. They are.
1: And this comes from Marketing Pro, it's a subscription service that we um get some good articles and good ideas from and and uh, you know, Americans have a great deal of disposable income relative to to many other nations. You know, yet our free spirit can, can take us further and further away from the financial freedom. I mean, we see that um, with some of the stats from a credit card standpoint. So some people fall into crippling spending habits, and they really injure their finances as a consequence. So we're going to walk through some some good habits and some bad habits.
0: Right, and the first bad habit, <laughs> thanks, John, for giving me the bad ones here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first bad habit, though, is simply failing not to save. Um, you know, saving even 50 or or $100 a month, it really isn't that hard. It just takes some discipline. So so some households, though, they don't even put any priority on building up a cash reserve fund of some kind and a portion of which could be used, you know, to invest in for the future in mm-hmm. equity or in a retirement account. So that's a huge mistake. you got to carve out some money to save. I don't care how old you are or what your income level is. You need to start saving money immediately.
1: Yeah, when you don't have a savings goal, you know, you don't have any money to withdraw in a pinch. So, you know, if you need to get a hold of some money, I mean, where do you find it? You basically have three options. You turn to family, friends, you know, mom or dad. um, You know, you divert money that goes to another core need, like food or rent or or heating, you know, and and that's in a a crisis mode. And and three is credit cards. So there really are not any good options if you don't have a – a cushion, an emergency fund to, to cover, you know, when life happens. So you gotta, gotta make sure you save. So here's a good habit. Um, save just a little bit and then you can increase that over time. So start saving invisibly, you know, by spending 10 or $20 less each, um, month on, on lunch. I'll tell you something my daughter's done and she's, um, she has, you know, the younger generation, there's a lot of tools that help you save. And she actually has, What is it? 76 cents per day. That's going into a savings account. So she doesn't even miss it. And, uh, not a lot of money, but you know, it's a, it's a neat way that she doesn't, it doesn't, you know, move the needle that much, but over time, over a couple of months and a couple of years, it's going to add up. So just, you got to get into a routine habit of saving.
0: Some kind of routine. Yeah. And I've seen those apps where it'll just scrape off your extra cents off of any purchase round it up to a dollar and it'll put that extra money into a savings account. So I love that concept. That's a great, great thing. So, you want me to cover the next bad habit, do you? got you? another
1: bad habit to share with this us? This is
0: kind of like good, good cop, bad cop. It isn't is. It? A I'm the bit. bad cop it's over here. The is way that it's the it's turning out. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Clemson, All Carolina, right. you know, those yeah, kind of the same I, analogies. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, so the next bad habit here is buying things on a whim. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the correlation between impulse spending and credit card use isn't too hard to spot. In other words, there's a very high correlation between impulse spending and credit card use. So spending money you don't have on material things that will soon depreciate doesn't put you ahead financially. You got to make sure you're not just out there, you know, you got to have a list, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to a store, you need to have a list and make sure you have a reason for buying stuff. You don't buy stuff just on a whim. That's going to sit, you know, in a back room unopened. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but I have. <laughs> hey, you do.
1: You do have some good habits coming out there. So the good habit is to set a budget when you shop. Oh, so kind of list, you know, budget.
0: I mean, yeah, right. But you didn't let me talk about that. And kinda, and go, yeah, ahead. that's right.
1: You know, so when you arrive in the market or the mall, you got to make sure you have a, a list. I know Kathy does that when she shops, right? She, she does. <clears throat> she also knows where everything is in Walmart. I mean, that's just Yeah, she's really good crazy.
0: about that. She's uh, She's got her list. It's, it's a time saver, though, for mm-hmm. her. You know, she yeah. has it listed by aisle. So she just goes down the first aisle and zip, 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 zip just picks everything up. She has it in order. and. She's pretty amazing about this. She definitely uses a list. So. Yeah, so
1: make sure you have a budget when you're shopping. We're up to another bad habit, Steve.
0: Oh, so you want me to cover this one too? Huh? Yes, please. All right. Well, sure. Here we go. <laughs> and that is living on margin. Yeah, you definitely don't want to live on margin. The word margin is a is a bad word in just about any context, and it certainly is when it comes to spending. And that means living above your means. You know, charging this and that to credit cards, um, you know, that's a path towards runaway debt, and it will very quickly lead you to the poor house. You may look rich, but you'll carry a big financial burden that risks being out of sight, out of mind, in in between credit card statements, mm-hmm. you know. so. You're going to run up debt. There's no way you can maintain a, a emergency fund if you're living above your means. So don't live above your means. Make sure you have a budget.
1: That's right. So the, the good habit, the opposite of that is, is strive for lasting influence. Don't don't try to look rich today. That temporary bling is going to come back and bite you. So, you know, possessions symbolize wealth to too to many Americans. I mean, Real wealth is measured in accumulated assets and, you know, they aren't always visible uh, and you can't count them necessarily by looking at someone. But in the future, it's going to help you if you if you have this this discipline process. And and I will say as well that material things don't bring you happiness. I mean, it's just not the way it works. So having some money to pay for bills and do things is is a good thing. But but you do want to put yourself in a situation that when you do need um, money for emergencies or health related, that it's there for you. Another bad okay, habit here.
0: Time for the bad cop over here. Huh? Yes. Okay. Right. Well, here I am. <laughs> That's right. The next bad habit is buying <clears throat> unnecessary services or things. Yeah, like like maybe season tickets to Carolina. Oh, Ouch! That, that was. Ouch! That'd be unnecessary. It would wouldn't be a it? bad habit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, uh, cable subscriptions, extended warranties, you know, service contracts for highly reliable items health club memberships that translate into a little more than an alternate place to shower. Mm. I like the way they put that. Yeah. I mean, they all add up and they can siphon some of the dollars away. I mean, big dollars when it adds up each month. And in many cases, you know, we, we pay for options rather than necessities, necessities. So look very carefully at the services you're paying for all these recurring expenses that show up in your credit cards and your, your bank account statement. And, and, you know, Criticize each one. I mean look at it very carefully and and decide whether it's really a need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean the, I guess the moral of the story here is, is go against the norm. I mean, it might just leave you a little bit wealthier. And um in a recent Gallup poll, uh it found that sixty two percent of Americans like saving money more than spending it. So that's a good that's a good trend. Just thirty four percent like spending more than saving. So that's that's a reasonable um you know, percentage. This appreciation of frugality is, is relatively new. Back in 2006, only 50% of Americans like like spending. So i like to think the money doctors and, and the Dave Ramseys and the Susie Ormans are making making some progress there, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. People, We're all making a difference out here. <laughs> yeah, so if we love saving money, you know, uh, a key statistic really doesn't reflect it. So maybe people are, you know, fibbing on this uh Gallup poll, but according True. to the Commerce Department, the typical US household was saving about 5% of its disposable income. Uh, the personal savings rate in 2013 was about 4.5%. So, you know, that's still not as, as high as it has been in the past. If you go back in the 70s, it was almost 12%. Wow. So, you know, marketing companies are out there trying to get your money. So you got to make sure that you have a plan. Uh, to to put it towards those uses that are that are much better so you know i I think it it comes down to really a budget and making sure that you're you're not overspending and that you have some of the emergency funds you know that we talk about in place and um, trying to stay away from the bling as this says
0: exactly having some discipline in your finances so Great topic, okay, and that leads up to our last item, and that is the prescription of the week
1: yeah this is um, this is pretty fun so if you um, if you haven 't gone seen us on Facebook, make sure you go out to facebook uh, type in money m d and we'll we'll come up on the Facebook page. Right. And, um, so Steve's daughter, youngest daughter, Abby, has yep. uh, recorded a couple of prescriptions of the week. And, uh, I won't do this justice, but it is a, it is a, an, a hilarious video. So, yes. you got to make sure you look at that. And, and it's basically life is expensive. And she got a, a bill for a registration of a car. And, uh, she wasn't real excited about it. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, well, you, you remember that one?
0: Yeah. You have to be Abby. You have to know Abby. You know, Abby is very anim- animated. So it has been fun watching her grow up and, you know, all of a sudden have real world expenses, Mm -hmm. you know. And so she's getting these bills, you know, for car insurance and things like that. And her reaction to them is priceless. And you have to watch the the video to see it. Yeah, definitely. So you'll want to, uh, you'll want to, you know, you don't want to miss Abby and her reaction to. uh, Yeah, go
1: check us out. Facebook. Real
0: world expenses. Facebook at moneymd.net. Okay. And that's been our. Our uh, show for this week on MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, uh, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week.
1: Have a good one is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVisster Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Associates, a registered investment advisor.